This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're dealing with British ladies, both in the Highlands and the Himalayas, as we watch spines number 93 and 94 in the Criterion Collection. Uh, Black Narcissist from 1947, and I Know Where I'm Going from 1945, both directed by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. But first, hey, RJ. Uh, mm-hmm. Contrary to your belief, uh, Kirk Douglas is still alive. He's not alive. <laughs> I I'm not I'm not gonna validate your crazy fucking opinions here. So we were talking about Kirk Douglas in to... regards to his his son who who's come out in preemptive sex claim denial yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Because I was saying all these preemptive people who are like trying to jump the gun on talking about sexual abuse. I said pretty soon, fucking Kirk Douglas is gonna come out of the grave. And he's going to be preemptively striking. To which Jarrett said, Kirk Douglas isn't dead. And uh, I'm not I'm not going to look it up. I know I could look it up in a minute, but I don't want to I don't want to empower you anymore. Well, right now he's 101 years young. I don't believe you. Um, but we do have this tendency on this podcast about talking about people and them dying soon after. So, sorry, yeah. preempt, preemptive apology uh, if for, Kirk for, for, for killing dies. you, Kirk. But if he was like a sex fiend, then I guess he deserved it. I don't know, man. He 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 was like a, a hard man. I'm pretty sure he didn't have to try very hard for the sex to just come I mean, to him. Well, you I mean, know what I mean? Look at that cleft chin. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, Jim Carrey and me, myself, and Irene. It was irresistible to women. Yeah. <laughs> he almost got that done in real life. That's how uh, how well it came off. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna empower you anymore. I'm I'm sick of the lies for one, and uh, the abuse for two. The abuse that you think you can pull these things over the the wool over my eyes anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna believe you anymore. That's it. Fine. Yep. Anyway, hey RJ, how's it going? Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I don't have any like cool stories for you, but uh, I, uh, me, um, Andrea, and I were encountering some electrical issues yesterday. Do you want to hear about them? They're kind of wacky. Sure. Why the fuck not? Okay. So, uh, like a month ago, so our light switches in our house—they're like the clicker ones, right? I think that's pretty common now for houses. It's like the clicker, not the switch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I like you click. Yeah, you click them. So like a month ago, the clicker light switch to our outside deck uh, broke. And it, it looked like a spring or something broke in it because you try to click it on and it would just stay in the off position. So okay. you could hold it and it would turn on, but it would mm. stay in the off. And I'm like, all right, well, the switch is broken. I guess we got to fix that. Uh, so yesterday, our upstairs bathroom, our main bathroom, the light was out. And I was like, hey, that's weird because uh, there's three light bulbs in that bathroom. I was like, by some weird chance maybe all three light bulbs went out so i replaced one of them and then i hit the clicker and it still didn't go and i was like oh weird i was like maybe this clicker's busted too i was like i guess it's time to fix them so i went out and i bought some new light switches and some electrical gear uh a voltage tester so i wouldn't kill myself mm-hmm. uh and i uh um i took out our light switches and replaced but, but, them but but did you buy big boy pants no, I already own big boy pants. Okay. Uh, I have a set of coveralls, and I was wearing my long underwear because we got hit with a freak snowstorm yesterday. Well, so uh, right, right now. Yeah, right now. Um, so I got my flashlights out, and I was replacing light switches. And uh, the one at the deck went by pretty good. 
took me about 10 minutes and mm -hmm. it worked. I was like, nice. I replaced one in the bathroom and it didn't work. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what's going on here? And uh, by that time, Andrea had come home because I was home a couple hours before she was. And uh, she was like, all right, let me see what you did. Uh, so she, she's like, maybe the switch was bad. She's like, let's go put this one in the deck one and put that one here because we know that one works. Okay. And we'll see if we can replace them. And I was like, all right, let's try it. And we did it. And the switch in the deck worked again. But in the bathroom, the light was still out. Mm. And we were just like, what the fuck is going on? So uh, we we tried. I, I honest to God burnt about six hours trying to figure out this fucking light switch. Like... Going back and forth, replacing it over and over again. Because, like, it doesn't just click in there. The screws they have and stuff are hard to work, man. They're hard to work. So, anyways, we gave up after a while. And uh, I went down to the downstairs bathroom to uh, trim my beard. Uh, so, I trim it down there because it's messy. And I like to keep it out of Andrew's area. Uh, and I plugged in my beard trimmer earlier that morning. And so, you know what I noticed? You know how in bathrooms... Uh, the outlets have that little like uh, reset button, the yeah. like the little thing, so that like if you have a hair dryer plugged in yes. and it short circuits, it like turns off the outlet. Mm -hmm. I noticed my beard trimmer didn't charge, and I was like, "Oh, weird." I guess when I plugged it in, I accidentally hit that button, and it popped out, and it just turned off that outlet. And I was like, "That's weird." So I pushed the outlet in, and then the light upstairs turned on. And Andrew's like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, what happened? And she's like, the light's on now. And I was like, really? And he was like, what the fuck is going on? And then so I, I tested it. When you click in that button in the downstairs bathroom outlet, the light upstairs gets turned off. Nice. I don't know if it was a crosswire or uh, yeah, or if the electrician was just bad. But well, because uh, I mean, I assume that you would tr check the breakers to see if anything had tripped at some point. Yeah, well, I had to turn them off to replace the switches, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were being flipped on and off all day. Mm, yeah, I detect uh, some some shoddy workmanship here from some yeah. some electricians. Well, if anyone's interested, the ele the electrical work in our house was done by New Light Electric, mm -hmm. Lethbridge, Alberta, and that's N E U uh, L I T E, I believe, New Light. Uh, so, uh, anyways, that's not the most interesting story, but uh, we were we were pretty shocked and awe at uh, what was going on because I was like, "What the fuck is this garbage?" Because we were gonna, we were gonna like call electricians and probably waste thousands of dollars trying to get this thing figured out. Hmm. And it was just a, a weird cross switch or something. Well, there you go. Yeah. Anyways, um, what's new with you, jerk? Uh, well, school's back in. Uh, semesters of going. I don't know. Uh, I think the highlight the semesters of semesters afoot. Is that what you were gonna say? It's it's like it's going. It's it's moving. Uh, yeah. it's, it's gonna be long. Uh, the highlight of today was uh, sitting in the one class I do the video work for, and this like oh, yeah. this hefty lad sat down beside me. And, what do you uh, mean hefty? He's fat, RJ. He's a he's a okay. large child with like big boobs. Like that's like this kid is unfortunate. Nice. Sorry, listener, if you <laughs> happen to be he's, there. He's not listening. <laughs> he's not. But anyway, so this kid though, he's like really shy, and he starts like asking this like other student some questions because he he had missed the first day of class, mm -hmm. and like I was just like, oh, I had my headphones in because I was getting ready to do stuff, and I was just like looking over at him, and I noticed him like going through his backpack, and he was like pulling out like a big stack of loose leaf paper and i was just like 
Oh, he's like a poor fat kid too because he doesn't have a laptop or like an iPad to write notes uh, on. That you that's that's a misconception though because oh. I prefer I have a laptop, but when I was a student, I preferred the notepad and paper. When was the last time you did that though? Uh, like last year when I was in grad oh. school. Still, <laughs> really? There's lots of people who use, use notepads. You bougie ass. No, no, this, is, this isn't a notepad. This, this yeah, was, it was just loose leaf. Was loose, it? Loose, loose, okay, wait. Loose, I have loose, loose sheets of like lined paper, just like all folded up and damaged, just sitting in his I, bag. It was just all like beat up, and I was just like, was it in like a duotang at least, or like a no, fold, like a hard case? Loose, okay. like it was truly loose, loose leaf. Mm. It was How was like, he dressed? Uh, like the best you can when you're that overweight. The best you can. Yeah. Just, mm. just the, the the cover of the mass, I guess. Uh, it wasn't. Mm. It wasn't. Sh- it was like. I mean, it's schlubby, but like, it's not like he was in like I don't know, blown out sweatpants and uh, like undershirt mm-hmm. some of that. Like, no, whatever. I just like was looking. I don't know why this like really struck me as sad. This like guy in this like university, and mm-hmm. he's like he's gonna write his little notes, and I could see on some of his like paper he already had written some stuff down in pencil. And mm-hmm. I was just like, "Oh man, this this is this is bumming me out for some reason. I don't know." What's it, the moral of this story, Jarrett? It was just an observation about the things that I look at, and I just go, "Huh, these are the things I notice in my life." Um, so I, I think I, people will now realize that when you say things like "RJ hates women," for yeah. example, or "RJ hates poor people," uh, <laughs> who who's who? Do do people start? Are people starting to realize? Where those those feelings are really coming from, those strong opinions on the poor. I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I used I, 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 didn't, paper I didn't make any judgments about it. I was just I just said that's really sad. Because yeah, like that's a judgment. Well not really. I'm just like it made me sad. <laughs> how, how can that yeah. be a judgment? It's my emotions, RJ. You shouldn't have those. Because like when you turn around and look back at that class, it's all laptops all the time, and it's all people like yep. n- doing anything but paying attention. So like also this like this kid is also studious and actually going to like at this point yeah. pay attention and write notes, which is See? like that's admirable. But it's like oh look at him, he's just writing his notes on this like shitty pad of paper. I, maybe it's a tactic because he knows if he had a laptop there, he wouldn't be working. Maybe maybe he has an internet addiction. Maybe he has a porn addiction. We don't well, know. They, those go hand in hand, I'm sure. Yeah, if he can afford oh, the co- the high wow. costs of big big porn. You look, <laughs> yep, the big costs of uh-huh. internet porn. You can't just Google boobs anymore, Jarrett. It's twenty eighteen. Mm, yeah, net neutrality's dead. Yeah, yeah those those uh, internet titties are going to cost you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, I don't know. That's it. Nice. That's, that's all I've done in seven days is look at this kid and make judgments about him, I guess. Yeah, well, you're a bad person and everyone thinks that's so. That's fine. Oh, you know what I got, though? Like, Why? That's actually really cool. I got my Ultimate Alfred Hitchcock Blu-ray collection. Are you, uh, is that everything? That's, no, that's like only, that's 15 movies. But it's got like okay. the, f- like, six core big movies of his, I guess, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's wicked. Like, I was like looking over the actual list of movies because, like, I got it just assuming all oh, like, like the Universal stuff, which is what I wanted mm-hmm. to upgrade. I had Psycho on Blu ray, but everything else was like the old DVDs mm-hmm. and cracked it open. I'm like, oh, it's got North by Northwest too. Nice. And then it's like, oh, it's got Shadow of a Doubt, even better. And it's got like all mm-hmm. the last few years of his movies uh, in there. But yeah, and it was like cheap. 
like 80 bucks Canadian for 15 movies on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Not too bad at all. Are you going to lend it to me? Uh, are you going to watch the like 20 movies you've already borrowed? Don't ask questions that you don't want to know the answers to. <laughs> the question, Jared, is are you going to lend it to me? Be a you, nice, you let good me know. friend. You let me know when you're actually going to uh, watch Alfred Hitchcock movies. Uh, I believe, actually, uh, our listeners paying attention would note that you haven't been a fan of the uh, the Hitchcock films that we've watched in the Criterion Collection thus far, 39 mm-hmm. Steps and Lady Vanishes. So I don't know how much of a fan of the cock you are. The cock? Yeah. By God. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm bringing to the table. I'm not going to call him Hitch. He's, Hitch? He's, he's good old cock. <laughs> Hey, the only hitch I know is Will Smith and that hit movie Hitch. Yeah, there exactly. Now, yeah, but no one's gonna. Now you can just talk about. Oh, I love the cock. Oh God. See, see, these are the things that people don't <laughs> usually see because you usually you're usually a little bit more restrained, and uh, you don't talk about cocks and small crevices and poor people and fat kids that you like gonna do stuff to. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, how did you how did you uh, answer I, 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 the phone? I, I, I missed or, those I missed those edits. How did you answer the Skype call when you uh, called or when I said hello? Refresh my memory. Uh something about uh, uh, big fat girl. Oh, <laughs> uh, big fat one. Uh yes, yes. And then you're like what movie is that from? And it's like, "Oh, RJ." Well, I still hold. You do sound like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Your normal voice. Yeah. So, James. Hey, do Gum. we have two movies to talk about today? We sure do. Nice. I, I sure hope you watched them. I watched one of them. <sighs> Good. That's better than none. Uh, mm. Hey, RJ. Uh, in all this week, though, of like fixing electricals and like watching mm-hmm. uh, old British movies, <gasps> what you been creeping on this week? I did some creeping for you. Really. Yeah, around average, if not a little more, mm-hmm. especially since we had two fucking movies this week. Yeah. Uh, so I guess first off, um, I continued with my trip to uh, the 50s sci-fi world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see how long ago that was already? So long ago. Yeah, uh, so I watched uh, some Jarrett picks. Uh, the first one I watched was The Creeping Unknown, a.k.a. Uh, the Quatermass Experiment. Yes. An X. Yeah. No E, man. Big, dirty X yep. in there. Uh, so this puppy is from 1955. Uh, it's a Hammer film, which I didn't know. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, cool. I like Hammer. Mm-hmm. I like the stuff they do. And Hammer so likes you. you. Hammer likes me, too, yeah. Uh, so I think you lent this to me uh, after we watched The Blob. You're like, this is a good goo movie. A good gelatinous goo yeah. Kind of thing. So uh, this one is Spaceman in Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, his plane, or his plane, his spaceship crashes, and uh, the crew's dead, but yep. one guy's alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone's like, what happened? And um, so they're trying to figure it out, and then uh, a goo comes off of this guy, and he's kind of walking around turning into this goo. Right. And uh, that's how this movie plays out. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, I actually, I really like the first half or so. I think it's done really well where uh, they're like, they kind of take their time, which I think is a luxury in movies now nowadays at least. I don't, but in the 50s um, too, where they're just like, what's going on? And it shows like these scientists and like a couple politicians like actually trying to figure it out. Like they're just watching like uh, 
the CCTV video of the spaceship. Right. And that seems like five minutes long. And some of it's just those dudes standing there not doing anything. Yeah. And then it finishes and the guy's like, all right, play it again. Uh, so, yeah, like, I, I would chalk that up to like budgetary constraints. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured like yeah. it, it, it seems like it has a few stock footage kind of things in there pretty yeah i mean well i was like with fiend without a face too there's like the yeah. stock footage of stuff flying overhead and it's like i don't think they got those sh- planes to like fly over just for this shoot i think they just went into mm-hmm. the vault and were able to like at least like in that era match up the footage so it seems like oh that kind of makes sense even though it's like not accurate it's like 35 millimeter and 16 millimeter really yeah don't look the same well, only a nerd like you would even complain about something like that. Meh. Uh, no, uh, so this one's actually pretty good. Like, I do like all the buildup, and uh, the monster is pretty cool. It's kind of like an octopus blob. Yeah. Um, which I like. Uh, the only thing I didn't like, Jared, <laughs> is uh, all the animals that were tortured for the making of this film, which you, pro- you probably don't remember because this was before you were woke to such things. Yeah. Uh, there's a few scenes. There's a scene in a zoo where uh, the blob goes through the zoo and all the animals are screaming and then the police come and then there's just dead animals around and they look real like they for sure killed a deer and then just left it on a sidewalk and they're like the the police come up to it and it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's dead. OK. And then they keep walking and it looks like they killed like a lion, which I don't know if they could have done, but it I, looks like it. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> But they they definitely killed a deer, and there's something else too, like a dog maybe. And he's just like, ooh, he's like, you shouldn't really do that. No. And uh, this one, no animals get hurt in. I have a, it's more of a problem with the science I have. Mm. Uh, they're like, they get a, they get a strand of the goo, and they put it in a box, and they just throw like a rat in there. They're like, let's see if the goo eats this rat. <laughs> and it's like, come on, science man. It's like you could have at least like threw a dead one in there. <laughs> you don't have to like torture. Uh, put a live animal in there it's like let's see if the goo eats this rat let's just try it it was the 50s you know we just, oh, i know that was when we I just know. we just threw rats into boxes to see if like the thing see will if eat they it died. Or not. Yeah. yeah it's like let's see if it's dead or not and yeah. then uh so that one's not like i don't think they actually killed any rats they could have i don't know oh. but uh, the only other one that i thought was kind of weird and i don't know like it's not really like an animal cruelty thing or anything like that i was like that's kind of weird like so when they show the monster at the end and it's like yeah. this octopus they up, have like up in the riddle. rafters and stuff yeah, yeah up in the rafters so you see it from afar and then it does like a zoom in and it looks like a real octopus face with like tentacles yeah but they're kind of like poking it and shit so mm. uh, like so like it's cool that they got like a real octopus to do the close-ups because it's like oh yeah that looks good it's all gooey and it looks like it's alive because mm. it is but uh, they were like poking it and like shocking it and i was like ooh, mm. i was like that's icky yeah so Anyways, that's a uh, people know my my stance, but hey, if I talk about it enough, other people will never not be able it's, to see it well, either. See, I, after this and the next one you'll be talking about, I was mm-hmm. like, what is he talking about? Because like I don't remember this stuff, anything like that at all. It, and so I did a I, I did a Google search, and there's like nothing that comes up at all. But I, I imagine that there's like. Uh, it's more contemporary movies that like organizations that, that are concerned called. about this thing are going to be up about. Um, yeah, so I'll just I'll, I'll transition right into the next one. Uh, so you gave me uh, the thing from another world. Yeah, which is world famous because of uh, Mr. John Carpenter's yep. remake. Yep, uh, which was based on the thing from another world. It was even playing in Halloween. 
everyone's yeah. favorite trivia question. Yeah. Um, so I had never actually seen this, though. Yeah. And uh, you lent it to me, and I was like, nice. I was like, I'm stoked. Because uh, I've seen the stills, I guess, of, like, the big giant man. And mm-hmm. I was like, cool, cool. So this one is kind of like John Carpenter's thing, but it's a little different. So, like, they find the spaceship, and they find a guy in the ice in the spaceship, which I guess is how the... That's kind of like it's like like a prequel to the thing then I guess, eh? Cuz didn't they find a guy in the ice? No, they just John Carpenter's they, they, like no, when they go to the other place and there was something that was melted. Oh. It's I don't remember I guess that you, detail. I just remember like I mean they drill out and then yeah. the virus kind of thing escapes and like yeah. the bacteria escapes and that's where it all goes from there. there okay. I don't, there's like no guy i don't think it it don't matter yeah uh so anyways in this one there are army guys and then there are also scientist guys and so they have this big monster on the run uh but he he, he's not a shapeshifter he's uh a potato yeah or a carrot or or a carrot he's a vegetable man which brings up great jokes it's like you telling me doc that a carrot is killing everybody and he's like well it's not just a carrot it's a super smart one and it's like, oh, shit. So he's like a, a vegetable. Um, and uh, it's like it's got cool scenes where he's busting in and like killing people and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, so the problem I had with this one is the uh, the enormous amount of dead huskies that uh, pop up in this movie. So there's a scene where Vegetable Man goes out to where the... Uh, like the sled dogs are yeah. and he's just actually fighting them yeah he's just like punching them and they're like dangling on his arms and he's like tossing them and i was like ooh, i was like that doesn't look good but that could be like when they train german shepherds and you have a guy in a fat yeah. suit go out so i was like i'll give him a pass on that one mm-hmm. uh but then later on uh there's scenes in like a greenhouse where they're just finding like dog corpses all over and it was like real dog cor- like that's a real dog that's a real dog they killed for this movie. I guarantee it. Do you think, now, do you think they actually killed the dog for this movie, or that they like got dogs from like a like sh- like a pound that that's been put down? Was this filmed on location? This movie? No. <laughs> no. Well, you could be right, but I bet, I bet, Jarrett. What happened was they called up this pound and they're like, "Hey, you got any huskies in there that are gonna die soon?" And they're like, "Well." They weren't going to, but we'll kill one. I guess. To <laughs> wow. be honest. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of my uh, issues I have with the the film "Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song." Is, oh yeah. Uh, no. Don't they kill a dog on screen in that one? No, but there's just dead dogs floating in the water, and. Uh, oh right, that's okay. kind of like uh, what is it? Gator, that horror movie, Alligator. Oh, I don't remember that either. Okay, I'll so, I'll so I'm, look, I'm looking, RJ. So uh, filming locations from for the thing from another world. So I imagine yeah. that their outdoor stuff was shot Glacier National Park in Montana. So just, Ooh, just, 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 just right nearby. Uh, then there's the Ice and Cold Storage Company in Los Angeles and the RKO Encino Ranch in Los Angeles. That's the mm. that's like the actual where the uh, saucer crash site was. So yeah, I mean, a lot of this movie is shot all on like, loca- like in settings and like studio sets beyond mm-hmm. some outdoor stuff. So yeah, I, was, I am imagining that they weren't Hopefully, I don't think they'd be offing dogs, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, where are you finding these dead dogs? And that, yeah. and that, of course, just makes you more aware of the horribleness of life. And it's like, oh, yeah. this takes me out of the movie, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like this one wasn't as—it's not as bad as other things I've seen either. Like, mm. 
But at the same time, I, w- I got bummed out because I was like, yeah. man, I was like, I really, I was looking forward to this movie. <laughs> and now <laughs> and, I'm uh, sad. And now I'm sad. And I was like, and I can't love it and appreciate it like all these other nerds. Mm. So, anyways, that made me sad. Yeah. But, but it was good too. They're both good fifty sci-fi movies. I liked them. Right. I just, uh, I was bummed out by uh, all those dead animals. Um. um well, yeah, so the other, so with this movie, uh, the one thing I remember is like this movie's two scenes, like, and they're yeah. really good. Uh, like, cause most of it's like the uh, patented uh, Howard Hawks kind of pitter patter dialogue of characters just chatting yep. away. And yep. it's really cool. I kind of like that. It's kind of charming. Uh, yep. But there's like the scene where like they're looking for the monster, for the alien, and they oh, just, yeah. and they just open a door and it's just fucking standing there. And it's like, holy mm-hmm. crap. Like, that's like one of the like best. Like it's like I don't like you call it a jump scare, but it's startling. Like I remember watching this because you don't you don't expect it when it happens, and you're yeah. just like, oh, they're open, going into a room, and then it's just oh, they found it, and there's no build, mm-hmm. the music doesn't change, it's just suddenly there, and they're like, holy crap, yeah. and it's big and strong. Uh, and then when they actually light it up later on, mm-hmm. that is it is so fantastic, and I mean it's totally lifted in a uh, Halloween two, like they do the yeah, exact yeah. same thing where it's just like full body burn, and it it looks <laughs> terrific. Yeah. No, uh, no, you're right. That seems so cool because they're just throwing buckets of gas on that guy, yeah. like real buckets of gas. Well, yeah, it's... and uh, <laughs> like you're just like, holy shit! All these people were for real life on fire for a while. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's my uh, my favorite stunt work is full body burns. Love them. Yeah, you've mentioned that on the show before. Yeah. So I, I knew you would like that, but no, they're both good movies. Yeah. It's just bummer. Uh, and then I watched um, a pair of other movies, not really movies, stand-ups, Jared. Oh, yes. I watched me uh, Dave Chappelle's new stand-ups. Right, the the new Netflix uh, specials. The new Netflix ones, yeah. So we, two more went up, uh, Equanimity and The Bird Revelation. Mm. Uh, so these are a lot like the other two. So the first one is like a big state, like um, big auditorium stand-up, like kind of what you – expect now and then the second one is kind of like a little bit softer it's in a bar somewhere and he's just sitting down smoking cigarettes and kind of telling stories you know Jarrett. so the reason i even bring these up i wouldn't normally talk about stand-up but uh i think dave Chappelle is like a really interesting person and uh like i'm a i, th- I think i've brought up well the last time his netflix came out like um yeah I'm a huge fan of Dave Chappelle. Like, uh, when I moved in with my buddies like eight years ago, when I was an undergrad, we didn't have cable, and uh, I just had my Chappelle show DVDs that right. we just watched fucking until they exploded, basically. So, um, I I love Dave Chappelle, and I was always like super bummed out that he just disappeared for so long, and it's like you like no one even knew what was going on. It was like what happened to him. And then, so, like, when these came out, it was, like, nice. It's, like, finally some more Dave Chappelle. So, in uh, in the second one where he's just sitting down chatting, he kind of talks about, like, what happened to him a little bit. He he uses an analogy of this book written by a pimp. Uh, and, it, like, it's a good story, he tells. And uh, you, you feel for him because it's, like, man, this guy got a raw deal. Um, and it's, like, you basically got, like, blackballed from all of Hollywood for, like, 12 years for for basically something that like shouldn't have happened some nothing something he didn't even do but anyways Mm. uh so i think people should watch these just for like the stories he tells because they're they're really cool and they're really interesting but on top of that jared 
they're good stand-up, man. Like, mm. uh, they're both really funny. The, I, I enjoy both of them the, a lot. They're uh, better than his last ones? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, these two are these two are better than those first two that came out. Right. Um, and it's like, uh, I think we were saying, or someone said this once. It might have been you. I think maybe Chanel said this, where it was something like, uh, it's like for a guy who has been away from it for like 10 years to come back, people like were expecting him expecting so much but it's like the fact that he came back and they're as strong as they are is like that says something as well right so no um they're both really good uh i'm not going to tell you jokes from his stand-ups yeah uh because no one wants to hear other people uh tell jokes in a way that's not as good as when you actually just listen to them mm-hmm. but uh i re- if you, if you like stand-up you should watch both of these because there's a couple pretty killer jokes in each one cool so i liked him man cool I, yeah, I, and uh that's all i watched that's not true oh shit <laughs> <laughs> i totally forgot it um i watched mother yeah by darren aronofsky fuck <laughs> that, that, that feels like forever ago now yeah, that, was, that was the beginning of all these movies you watched and i was like yeah you're gonna talk about mother because you haven't we haven't talked about that movie at all other than uh i i got my copy of it in the mail and uh, i opened up the package and i handed it to you Hmm. yeah exactly well because you had already seen it and you didn't need it anymore so uh, i put it to work um so yeah i watched mother and uh there's you talked about it when it was getting all that buzz and everyone was like, what is this mother movie? F it's score. Like, an F score, yeah. right. Um, so I watched it uh, and I liked it. I think it's, I think like what you said, it's kind of amazing that this movie was allowed to be made and uh, as well as it was and just put out. And I, it's, I think it's still cool that Paramount like stood behind it. Mm-hmm. Because it was getting all that shit, and they're like, whatever, man. They're like, Netflix does stuff all the time. No one gives them shit. It's like, we're just going to do it. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, We've mentioned before, uh, I like Darren Aronofsky. Uh, The Fountain is legit one of my favorite movies. So uh, I went in this with an open mind. I was like, I bet I'll probably like it. Uh, I think it is very good. Uh, I think the first two-thirds is very good it's uh deep metaphors man uh this movie is absolutely my fucking nightmare uh i don't think i've ever been so uncomfortable and i'm not even i'm not exaggerating watching people come into her house and touch her stuff and just like just totally take over themselves at home make themselves at home that is my fucking nightmare like i'm not even kidding an hour in i almost turned this off for a while i was like i need a break because I was getting so uncomfortable. I was like, I hate this. Imagine watching this in theater with a bunch of strangers. Yeah, and you, like, can't get out, and you're just, oh, God, that would... And, and you're, like, like surrounded it, by the sound. Because, like, that's the one thing that, I don't know, uh, I'm not, like, super familiar with your setup, but, like, mm-hmm. the watching this in theater with the all-encompassing sound, like, you get to hear, like, the creaking of the house and stuff like that, yeah. and just, like, the voices. It's, like, just, like, oh... It's yeah. This this movie is like definitely uh, if you like if you're an anxious person at all or like, like, mm. have those anxieties about like about people having people over and strangers and people are like oh I, I don't really like strangers at the best of times and this is a movie yeah. that's like about that um, about that or, or brings yeah. or brings that into it and it's just like bah. so yeah exactly so I think that stuff it does like 
better than I've I've seen in like any other movie almost like right. that unease and like dirtiness of like other people mm-hmm. and discomfort like this movie actually does it better than like almost anything I've ever seen so I think for that it it's it's a hard recommend so in terms of like the big kind of reveal like what it's all metaphors for um I actually liked it right. I was like yeah I, I'm I'm on board with this so like I like you, stuff like that okay so like we didn't I didn't get into this when I talked about the movie yeah. months ago because you hadn't seen it uh, yeah. so like what what did you think about like what do you think this movie is about because I mean I have what like this movie is about yeah because it's like so there's like yeah. one of the problems is that Darren Aronofsky has been out there <laughs> talking about his ideas about this movie and yeah I I don't like his interpretation of his own movie mm-hmm. and I'm just like, Oh, shut up. Like you don't, I, I don't need I, him to yeah. talk about it. And so like, but, but when I watch the movie, I get like something completely different, but that's also influenced by this type of stuff I read. And I'm like, yeah. man, this movie, like what I really like about it, it's like, yeah, this is a great expression of that. But I'm curious before I talk about it myself, what did you think? Of I it? have, I have two interpretations okay. for this movie. The first one is I, what I believe is the common one. That it is uh, Mother Earth and a god-like figure or like the, a creator like that. And he's like – he makes a world kind of and he makes the people that inhabit the world and things like that. That's kind of what I was feeling for a while watching it. I was like this is what I think it is, um, which I think is pretty common. I think that's what he's saying. Uh, but the other thing that I was thinking was uh, I think it's a really good like – kind of analogy for just being a creator in general like creating anything like say you were like a writer or like a a filmmaker like I think that's a good example because it's like you take for him he's a filmmaker and he makes a movie and then say it becomes like wildly popular like uh, say like Requiem for a Dream or something becomes like wildly popular and there are are these people who become obsessed with it and they like kind of they try to like take agency over it because of how much they like it and they like they take it for their own and then they do things with it and then i guess it's like if you made something and it was being kind of not like misinterpreted but like people were taking different things out of it and it was things that you didn't like you know i don't know if that's coming across like because i think people who make stuff it's like yeah i think people are going to interpret it in different ways but it's like say that you made a movie and then the alt-right like really <laughs> loved it and they're like this is like our champion this movie you and if you weren't an alt-right person you'd probably be like oh man that sucks it's like that's not what i intended for how it to be like to be used and it's like i feel bad now <laughs> Mm. but it's like what do you what do you do right because it's like you made something and then it gets taken by someone else so that was kind of the other thing i was thinking of but i was like i'm pretty sure what he's trying to say is like this is just like god mother earth cain and abel kind of stuff there's like yeah i mean like to me like that's like the most obvious like yeah. Like for people seem to like give this movie a hard time because oh it's a biblical thing and it's like people get yeah, hung up on that. But I'm like, there's like cares? one, there's like one or two bits that are like that. There's like yeah, yeah. there's the the obvious Cain and Abel bit, um, and then there's like I guess like uh the baby of Masson, the, the baby yeah. of Masson thing with like the baby uh being uh torn to bits, um, but I'm like beyond that though, there's like that's about like I mean. I don't know my Bible, I guess, but I'm like, I don't really know where else people are talking about other than it's an easy talking point. You can be like, oh, he's an idiot. He made Noah. And it's like, that's where that goes. Like, yeah. For me, I guess, like, my 
uh, by the end of that, so the end of the movie, it's like everything kind of starts over again. And mm-hmm. there's this, uh, that's like to me the most important speech or like the the most important thing in the whole movie is like the thing where he, where he says at the end about like not giving up. And so I yeah. was like, oh my God, this is a movie about like uh, this conflict of like life and existence and how oh, e- yeah. existence is this thing. And you're like, your only way out of it is to end it. But life mm-hmm. just refuses to give up. And that's like the darkest thing that's like the horror i guess is that yeah life just wants you to keep trying even if mm-hmm. you even if you fucking end yourself and like humanity ends itself it's like no nah, uh, i don't want to give up on you people i don't want to you don't give up on existence life is a great thing and you're just mm-hmm. gonna come on back till we get it right over and over and over again because that's the thing where it's like it's a cyclical thing and it's like every right. time the world is a horrible thing and no matter yeah. and so it's this, this super exaggerated uh like allegorical metaphorical expression of existence and uh Arvier Bardeem is life and life just keeps giving yeah. you a chance over and over again and he's like no like, this is great like no you're enjoying it right even though like yeah. life just can't admit that life is terrible mm. and so it's just like super pessimistic dark movie that's like hey mm-hmm. even if you give up you you can't you're, you're just you're here again um mm. so yeah dang dude yeah. uh I didn't see that but uh uh I'm on I'm on board I'm on board with you. Life is horrible. Uh, no, that's that's a cool interpretation too. And see, that's what I mean. Like, you you make stuff like that, and it uh, it's nice that it's open to interpretation. That's why Christopher Nolan doesn't tell people what he thinks the end of Inception is. He's right. like, I want people to make up their own minds. <laughs> He's like, because people are gonna have different feelings on stuff. That's right. But, yeah, no, that's uh, that's cool. I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, I mean, that's just because like I read, I've been just reading like super pessimistic philosophy books, and so Unnerd. When, when I was like watching this movie, I'm like, wow, this movie's like onto that. Like, I like this, yeah. and then and then yeah, but because it kind of brings you into the level of like, there's a there's a point in that movie where like I think everyone should have a point. Where you're just like, oh fuck, I want to kill everybody. Like set the like I was like set the fucking yeah. house on fire. Just set the house on fire. Like that's like my yep. like my thought process like jennifer lawrence just set, set it on fire who gives a shit kill them all they're, they're these yep. are horrible people and i'm like yeah that's sane that's not it's like yeah. no it's like but it's like we are watching this movie you're like well just set the house on fire and it's like yay she does yep. it and finally and then kills herself but it's like no don't you don't give up and you're back yeah. and you won't remember and it's like but you're you're gonna wind up in the same place that you were in at the beginning and it's gonna happen mm-hmm. again and again because goddamn life Javier just won't give up he won't he won't quit but and then just like just like mm-hmm. other stuff in this movie like uh fucking Michelle Pfeiffer is like so oh, fucking man like she's so vile well, and gross well, and yeah what well, yeah she's just like yeah she like that person exists and that's the thing oh, yeah. too is like that yeah. this ugliness of people uh and I think just, um the one so the other one is like when you're when you you were messaging me about this movie stressing you out yeah. uh I was just like the scene that I will always remember like forever is the sink that fucking goddamn oh, sink scene yeah. of just like the people sitting on the sink and she keeps asking, "Hey, can you not sit on the sink?" And they're, "Oh, yeah. sorry." And then they're like, then they start like keep they keep doing it, and then we're like, mm-hmm. "What? You mean the sink? What?" And they start jumping up and down on it, and then fucking mm-hmm. breaks and the water breaks, and it's like, and they're like, "Oh, jeez," and they're like, blaming you for it. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, see, that's what I mean. Like, that's why this movie made me so uncomfortable and like, on, like, legitimately stressed out was because it's like stuff like that. Like, I hate people <laughs> and like i i hate everything about like other people because it's like shit like that that just bugs me like uh the michelle pfeiffer one that i really noticed was or that like just drove me fucking crazy was when uh uh she goes to michelle pfeiffer's room and knocks and she opens the door and she's just like she's like yeah 
like do you want something yeah. and it's it's like she's a guest in her house she's like do you want something because like i've encountered people like that before where it's like it's like not even like trying to get anything in return it's like oh here's something nice for you and uh just being nice it's like holding a door open for someone um actually here's a good example you know my buddy ham meat yeah uh, apparently he said he was at the bank last week and uh, he w- walked in and there was two ladies behind him. So he opened the door and uh, the first lady went in. She said, thanks. And then the second lady uh, looked at him and went, you know, there's two doors, right? And she opened the other door and went through there. <laughs> and he was like, huh? He's like, he's like, I was just he's like, I was just holding the door open for you. He's like, why did she yell at me? So it's like stuff like that. Like that's a Michelle Pfeiffer right there. so it's like that and then uh the the other one that like made me like super uncomfortable because it's like there's a lot of people who actually are like this and i if this last year has taught us anything it's that those people do exist and there's more of them than you think it's like when the guy is hitting on her and she's like no i'm she's like excuse me i'm trying to walk by he's like what do you mean why don't you want to talk to me and she's like i it's my house i gotta go do something and he's like he's like trying so much he's like well let's go for a walk somewhere yeah she's like no i don't want to and he's like you know what fuck you you miserable cunt he's like you don't you don't deserve me anyways and then like walks away and you're just like oh my god it's like uh it's like a nice guy yeah hey so I'm i'm being nice to you i'm being nice to you yeah so stuff like that jared mm. um this movie did make me very uncomfortable so yeah um and, i guess and the people hated it yeah I, I i don't understand that i was trying to think of it i was like i guess maybe it's just because like it's being interpreted as this biblical thing and people just fucking hate like <laughs> like biblical movies i guess i don't know well, they don't yeah. like them as being like mainstream like that mainstream and totally against the stream yeah i don't know it just seems an easy go-to and it's like i don't know it's yeah it's i think it's like i mean it's so well made uh yeah it sounds great uh i don't know i'm not sure what people want i mean i i I imagine this movie's not for a lot of people i mean i wouldn't go out of my way to recommend this to my parents be like hey guys you should really check out mother like i don't (laughs) know if they'd get a lot out of it um they're not that type of movie watchers but i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know it is what okay. it is. They don't have to watch Mother. No. Um, did you want to talk about uh, the Tokyo Dome? <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the Tokyo Dome? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, shit. I was going to say, what are you even talking about? <laughs> uh, that's up to you, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure that's of much interest to anybody. Um, we, we watched a five and a half hour long Japanese pro wrestling pay-per-view uh, on Friday. Uh, yeah. and you went in knowing absolutely nothing about it other yeah. than like, uh, WWE superstar, Chris Jericho was wrestling a match on there Yeah, and, and that's about it. Um, I'm, I'm mostly just curious what you thought of it cause yeah. So, uh, this, this podcast is just a chronicle of, uh, my reintroduction to wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, uh, people have heard about my reintroduction to the WWE and of the things of the sort so yeah i came to this wrestling event and i watched it 
And uh, I'm pretty much on the same page as I was for the WWE stuff. It's like it's like yeah, I, I like I like watching this. It's fun. Uh, there's some guys that I just absolutely fucking hate uh, because of either they look dumb or they're like their gimmick, their character just makes me really mad. Like uh, there was the one guy, what was his name? Uh, Switchblade, where it's like this really edgy dude with like long black hair. He looks like one of Nick Cage's sons, and he wears like leather. And he's like, don't he's like, don't push me. I'm the switchblade. Well, and then he, he like pop yeah, a switchblade. I believe you just you said he looks like Miles Teller and now I cannot unsee that. Um Yeah, he's like an edgy emo Miles Teller. Yeah. Uh and then there's other people, but it's usually like it's based on their appearance that I hate them so much. <laughs> so whatever that means, but the, there were some cool dudes. Uh I liked the um I like the two old dudes who had the hair match. Uh, that was really fun. Min- I've never uh, seen that. Minoru Suzuki versus uh, Hiroti Goto. Hiroto Goto. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. That that was cool. Uh, yeah. So it was a uh, a hair match. If mm. anyone doesn't know, because I didn't, where the loser had to shave their hair. Yeah. And I was like, that's fun. Uh, there was also a beauty match, which decided who was the more uh, beautiful handsome, man. Yeah. Handsome match. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else was there? Uh, the main event was pretty cool. I liked both of those dudes. I thought they were both pretty neat. The the, the, um, the, the big the big final match. The, the big final. The, one, yeah, N- Naito but, versus Okada. Yeah. yeah, that one was cool. I I really um. I, I wasn't like, sure. I wasn't sure how you felt about that because it was like toward the end of the night, and I felt like in the room everybody was like, "Oh God, it's like midnight," that's, and uh, everyone like is tired, and it's like this is like now there's because like their big event, like when they do their final matches, they go long, like they like those are like the that's the big climax mm-hmm. of the entire show is that big finish. So I was like, "Oh God, we're just starting this, and it's gonna be like." 12 quarter after 12 and we're done this yep. and it's like everyone's like stopped talking and mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not sure if it's like is everyone into the match now or is it just like oh. no uh i didn't i i enjoyed it it was it was high quality wrestling mm-hmm. those dudes do uh flips and slaps uh better than anyone else but uh no i it, it was a drag i was getting burnt out near the end because it was uh as you heard that night uh, i had not eaten any dinner because i was involved in a hit and run uh, because a guy uh, at the McDonald's parking lot yeah. backed into me and drove away, and I tried to follow him for a while. There was no damage, so we're okay. But uh, it uh, took ab- about 20, 30 minutes of my time trying to find this fucking guy, and then uh, I couldn't get my burgs, so uh, I didn't eat that night. So I was I was, I was, was getting tired. I was yeah. like, ooh, baby, I'm sleepy. So anyways, no, uh, yeah, um. It was high quality wrestling. Uh, there was lots of flips, lots of slaps. I enjoyed it. Uh, I liked the Jericho fight. Yeah, I think I like Chris Jericho. Yeah, he's I like pre- him. He's pretty he's good. Fun. A fellow, fun to watch. Uh, a fellow Canadian. For like a fifty-year-old dude no. who's like getting a little podgy a little bit, like yeah. he, he's still pretty fun to watch. So mm-hmm. I liked it. But yeah, it's good. Uh, good stuff. I'll uh, I'll watch more of that maybe if there's uh, ever <laughs> another uh, big event. Well, well, we'll keep you in mind when they pop up. They they they, but, they, don't, they don't do as many shows, fortunately, as uh, WWE, which is like mm-hmm. all like, one or two a month. They they're like there's about five big shows they do a year. We don't even watch all of them unless there's like really a standout match. Because uh, part of the problem is we can't watch them live because obviously they are uh, doing their shows at like 12 one in the morning uh, our time mm-hmm. so it's like oh uh, i'll watch it the next day and by then like the results are all known but yeah. the the wrestle kingdom 12 which is the show we've been talking about the last five minutes or so uh that was the name of the show it's based out mm-hmm. of tokyo at the tokyo dome 
big it's the wrestlemania of uh new japan pro wrestling the promotion there and yeah. uh yeah so i mean like i mean i've watched the last five of these now because there was a period of time where you'd have to like wait for somebody to rip this in japan and then sell the dvds to watch mm-hmm. them for years but now they actually have their own streaming service like netflix yeah, and where it's just New Japan wrestling, and uh, yeah, so we watched the last five years, and I'd say that like this is like not the best show that they've done. Like last year, they had like one of like what's been called like one of the best wrestling matches of all time. Uh, yeah, and then like two years before that, I saw like probably the best wrestling match I've ever seen live in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like a high standard when it comes to these shows. But like, I always find that like, you know, I mean, we were just talking about the show being like five, five and a half hours long. And it's like the easiest watch there is like the, the shows mm-hmm. just move. There's like the worst match is still fine uh, compared to like watching WWE wrestling, which is like insults your intelligence. And yeah, the, and the announcing is terrible. The wrestling is very formulaic and you really, it doesn't, it never feels like they're really, doing anything to one another like which mm-hmm. is like i mean there's like there's a fine line of like yeah you don't want these guys to actually kill each other but at the same time you want to be like convinced to, to some degree <laughs> to be invested like oh look what they just did and they're yeah. very uh they're very limited to what they can do in wwe because that's their mentality and in new japan they're allowed to do kind of whatever they want and so guys work where their comfort level is but when it comes mm-hmm. to the big show they're allowed to cut loose and do whatever they want and yeah so you get like your chris jericho versus kenny omega match uh yeah and it's like probably chris jericho's best match he's had in like 10 years easily mm-hmm. uh and then yeah the main event um like that's like that match is like i think it's like it's like a very good match but i mean there's mm-hmm. the, the, those same two guys have had like incredible matches like with different people uh in the last yeah. year that are like amazing like completely setting a new bar for like what pro wrestling can be if you're into that type of thing i guess but mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it and that yeah uh, no it was good but if we ever do it again we got to start at like 2 p.m not uh <laughs> like 6 30 well by the time you showed up it was like i think quarter to eight so it was yeah uh, it was a long haul long haul yeah, and you had already been watching by the time I showed up too. Yeah, we yeah we watched the uh, one we were one match in. We even watched the pre-show, yeah. which is the like kind of like pseudo Royal Rumble that they do, and it's mm-hmm. just like old shitty men and like it's like all the people who weren't good enough to get onto the main card. So it's like it's nice. it's totally skippable. But we were waiting for you. I know. Well, and you heard what happened. Getting your McDonald's and and getting. Your I didn't even get it. I know. That's the sad yeah, that, thing. That, that means you like the ultimate failure, arguably. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Um, yeah, for me, like, I've just been watching a lot of, like, film noir shit. Um, I see that. I've watched, like, too many movies. In fact, I had to, like, take yesterday off from watching movies because I'm just burnt out on watching yeah. things. So, How many uh, movies did you watch in the last seven days? In, in the, this, this calendar year, RJ, I've watched 24 films. You're a fucking animal. And we're, That's we're, more than two a day. I know. It's fucked up. But I didn't watch anything. And I didn't watch one yesterday. Yeah, so, so that's like that was like a three a day average yeah. almost. Yeah, that's pretty disgusting, really. Uh, two I'll mention, I guess, is uh, it's actually a future Criterion creep. Uh, it's a movie called The Breaking Point, uh, which is a movie I wasn't familiar with at all, other than like when I probably threw it out when I went through like new releases for Criterion uh, a few months ago. Uh, this is a movie directed by Michael Curtis, the dude who did Casablanca starring John Garfield, mm-hmm. uh, Patricia Neal, everyone's favorite. Uh, it's a movie that it's like based on a Ernest Hemingway story, 
called to mm-hmm. be or not to be, which is like already was turned into a movie like about 10 years earlier with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. I haven't seen that yet, yeah. but uh, it's about a guy who owns a boat and things aren't going so great for him uh, business-wise. He's got to put that food on the table for his family, and so he winds up kind of throwing himself in with uh, some, some low-life criminals and he starts smuggling and stuff. And uh, it's like, mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal movie. I I think it's better than Casablanca. Um and it's like no, that movie sucks, anyways. Oh come on, it's it's good. Uh, this movie though is like I think like I liked it a lot more. I I think I like the story more. Uh, it's uh one of those things I'm like wow like uh, I just had seen it pop up on some uh, film noir lists I'd been checking out and I saw it really high and I'm like that sounds familiar. I'm like wait that just came out on Criterion. I should go watch it and I did and it was really good the Blu-ray is great uh, one of the neat things is one of the special features is uh, done by the duo who were doing those uh, every frame of painting uh, YouTube series oh yeah, which, yeah so that's done but what they're doing now is they actually are doing special features for Criterion so that's neat, uh, and they do good, and they, and they do good work. Uh, just like kind of going through films, breaking them down, and talking about them in the, for like ten minutes, and just like illustrating uh, how camera camera stuff works, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a good find. Uh, the other film I watched, uh, amongst many others, was one called Slaughter's Big Ripoff. Ew. So, so this is the sequel to Slaughter, starring uh, Jim Brown. Uh-huh. Uh, this is so. This is the sequel. I kind of went into this really not expecting anything too great because it's like, oh, it's a sequel to a black exploitation movie. Every single one I've watched has generally been not very good. Um, so I was like, ah, eh, whatever. It, it'll be fun. It'll be dumb. But this movie, <laughs> like, it is kind of everything you kind of want from a black exploitation movie. It is mm-hmm. like it's fast paced, violent, nasty. Um, Ma- there's always like some sort of mafia be it the Irish mob or the Italian mob uh, this is just a movie about Slaughter uh, fucking up the mobsters um, and there's like he's getting revenge because they try mm-hmm. to kill him they failed uh, in the opening like three minutes of the movie there's this this picnic in this field and there's this like old white guy giving this speech about how great a man like Slaughter and his best buddy are and then there's this biplane like out of North by Northwest, it's just flying around. And then it comes and does this running, shooting dive at them. And you're like, oh, shit, they're all going to get out of the way. No. So Slaughter gets out of the way. But this guy who's just standing there dumbfounded, he's just standing hard in the middle of the camera. And he's just there. And as the plane passes over, this big flap of skull flies off the top of his head. And I'm like, what the fuck? And this guy's dead. And, of course, it's hilarious because they do a close-up of the guy's head. And he's got this, like, just regular old bullet wound in his forehead. And I'm like, no. His head would be gone if he was shot by, like, a plane's, like, machine gun. Uh, and, his, mm-hmm. and his best bud's dead, and now he wants revenge against the people who killed him. And so it's just a bunch of sequences of him chasing down the mob and getting revenge. Uh, Canadian Don Stroud shows up being a tough guy, beating the shit out of people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This movie's got, like, a lot of good nastiness to it. Uh, the violence is great. The squibs are quite uh, generous. Lots of people just getting blown up bits here and, here and there. Uh, the villain mm-hmm. is Ed McMahon. Uh, the Ed nice. Mc, the Ed McMahon, um, yeah, this movie was very cool. Uh, I would definitely recommend it for black exploitation fans. Is Ed McMahon Vince McMahon's dad? No, I wish. <laughs> would do you think Ed McMahon would wrestle? He looks like uh, he kind of looks like Gorilla Monsoon ish kind of. He's similar demeanor, big mm. big man, glasses. Not Some like Sergeant Slaughter though. Voice. No, no, no one wants to be Sergeant Slaughter. 
But that's the that was the lead actor in the movie you just watched, right? Sergeant Slaughter, yes. Yeah, <laughs> one and the same. That's what I picked up here, Jerry, as you were oh, talking. I was yeah, like, oh, all right, yeah. wrestling the, Sergeant Slaughter. One of the other awesome business Slaughter's big ripoff is like the big ripoff itself, which is like when the, him and this like pimp, who's also a uh, uh, burglar, they break into the mobster's house to steal the books uh, uh-huh. from a safe. And, uh, yeah, when they escape, they're, like, really bad at, like, escaping, and they just start killing people. And there's Thanks. some great stunt work, men bouncing their heads off of the ground uh, very convincingly. Um, very cool. Uh, one more I'll mention is uh, one of the noirs I did watch that uh, was new to me. It was this one called Shield for Murder. It stars a guy named Edmund O'Brien, who's just, like, a film hand from the 50s and stuff like that. He's been in a bunch of various movies. But uh, this movie is yeah. kind of like a 1950s bad lieutenant. It's just about a dirty cop who is he, he rips off the wrong person because he knows that they've got a big payday that they're picking up in an envelope. And he thinks, I'll just shoot this guy in an alley, say that he resisted arrest, and I've got all this money and no one will ask any questions. But it's not that type of movie. And uh, it, it's just like it's like the end of this guy's like long storied uh, corrupt career and uh yeah. it's super tight and succinct every scene is just like exactly what you need uh this guy is just irredeemable piece of shit in a lot of ways other than he's got like just like you just like me. relatable uh, very relatable he's, he's got the girl that he likes it's like way prettier than him and uh he's like trying to buy her a house and everything's going to be great but he's going about it horribly and mm-hmm. uh yeah the movie's just like a winding down of like all these forces converging on him um uh, and there's a bit where like he just caves in some dude's head with the back of it, like with the uh, butt of his gun, and it's just like for what was this, 1955, 54. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty gruesome. Like you don't it's Vaughn see style? it. Uh, not quite. Not pr- mm-hmm. not brawl and cell block or prison block 99. Yeah. Not, not not quite like that, but it's pretty. Close. Fr- it's like the 54 equivalent, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So that that was sounds good. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it for Creeps that I'll mention at this point in time. Hey, RJ, got any news for us? I have some sad and troubling news Uh-oh. that has come to the Creeps this this eve. I was looking for news, and I didn't find much. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, Jared, I wish I hadn't found this. Joseph Wayne Miller dies at 36. You may be asking, who is Joseph Wayne Miller? Mm-hmm. Well, he had his breakout role. In heavyweights, he was Salami Sam. Oh, my man, Salami Sam from heavyweights has died at the age of 36. Oh, and it's a damn shame. I looked, there's no indication that it was obesity or salami related. Apparently, the only thing people are going off of is his mother said he had bad sleep apnea, and apparently, he died in his sleep. Oh. So this is a sad day for creeps everywhere. Uh, he is a, a fat kid, just like all of us in heart. Yeah. Whether or not you were a fat, really a fat kid, if you're listening to this show, you were in heart. And Salami Sam, man, he, he was my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. Aping those huge salamis to his back. I, I didn't see it coming. You didn't see it coming? No. Are you... Are you are you a little bit upset now? Do uh, we even should we even continue with the show tonight? I mourn for you. And yeah. I know how much this must hit you. This oh. one's uh this one's tough, man. This is like uh, James Gandolfini when he went down. It was like, oh no. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> there's someone I forgot is dead. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh <laughs> wait. You gotta you gotta buy time. I gotta find this really quick. Oh, because shit. I saw something really funny about James Gandolfini's death. 
Mm-hmm. Um, not like really funny, but it was about like how he died. Okay, hold on. I got to find this fucking thing. Because it was like, you know how he had like a massive heart attack, right? Right. I guess. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Uh, on Reddit the other day, to- on Today I Learned, it said that hours before being killed by a massive heart attack at 51, James Gandolfini dined on a double order of fried king prawns, a pile of faux gras, washed down with two pina coladas, four shots of rum, and a couple of beers. <laughs> That's a man, Jarrett. Oh, my. That's a man. Huh. Um, so anyways, all, all my idols are going down because of food. Yeah. Let's see here. Ooh, uh, I'm just looking at my Feedly. Uh, YouTube has formally cut ties with vlogger Logan Paul. Um, Don't bring up that asshole on yeah. this show. Yeah. I, that guy I, sucks. That's good that they did. Yeah. So does that mean they took his channel down? Uh, they, they might not be giving him any more money. Like, good. Because th- he was like one of those like red dudes, right? Where they were yeah. part of their packaging i guess uh well i i'm gonna i'm gonna be the asshole here and say i was hating that guy long before other people were i had that guy's always been an asshole i had never heard of him until like a few months ago where i was like looking up like youtube movies and this like and so actually no actually it ties into like my uh reading about pessimistic stuff and like oh yeah uh like hashtag no lives matter and this movie got brought up because there's like this movie he did for youtube about like how it's like a dystopic future movie where there's like a like there's like a you you write exams and based on what your test Mm -hmm. scores are determines if you die or not and it's like very like horrible wannabe purge kind of thing horrendous it was like Hunger Games, the maze yep. sort of thing. And I was like, who the fuck's this Logan Paul dude? I've never heard of him in my life. And that, like, I hadn't. like, And then, like, forgot about it. And then this shit with him, like, filming, like, dead bodies in forests mm-hmm. came up. And I was like, no. Well, why are, like, well, I don't, I don't even care. So, I have no stake yeah, in this at all. It, but. I, uh, I heard about that movie and I thought it was dumb. And one time I saw him, he was hanging out with The Rock and my girl Alexandra Daddario. And I was like, this piece of shit. Uh, he was in the Vine days. He yeah. was a Vine star. And uh, I remember I didn't like him because he was one of those guys who, like, pranks people. Mm. You know, you know the guys who prank people? And I find that really mean. Um, it's like I like jokes and practical jokes. But it's like the stuff he did is, like, that's pretty mean-spirited. And I think uh, – I don't – I feel like I talked about this on the show once. I don't know. Uh, I remember the Jackass guys were t- talking about things. Like, not recently. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But the jackass guys were like uh, talking about punked or something. And they're like, that's pretty mean. It's like, we wouldn't do something like that. And they're like, what are you talking about? Your show is like exactly that. And it's like, yeah, but we won't even like embarrass ourselves. This is one another. Yeah. It's like we embarrass ourselves in front of other people. It's like we're not bullies. And uh, and, and what's his name's dad? (laughs) Oh, uh, Bam Majira's dad? Uh, What was it? Phil or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, him. But... You know what I mean. Yeah. So, anyways, that yeah, guy sucks. Yeah, no, that's like my first thing because Let him like, be forgotten. I am, uh, I am a fan of the Jackass. Uh, yeah. That that shit is very funny to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it holds up these days, but I'm sure it's still really fucking funny. Uh, Probably watching, watching jock asshole dudes just do bad things to one another. It's like that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this I don't know. I don't fucking care about this guy. Um, let him be forgotten. Let, let let the world burn and he'll be passed by because that's what happens mm-hmm. when you're internet famous, I guess. Even though this guy's worth like millions of dollars apparently, apparently. which is sad, 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 sad. 
Sad and upsetting. So yeah, let let it die. Mm-hmm. What's that uh, Star Wars quote? <laughs> let the past die. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's some prequel shit. I think. No, that's uh, Last Jedi. Oh, the same difference. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh. So that's it. I think for news. Uh, I hope so. After the break, we're gonna get into this Powell Pressburger shit. And uh, talking about, first up, nuns. Those crazy nuns. RJ, I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to RJ's thoughts on these nuns. I will follow him. Follow him wherever he Follow him ever since he touched my hand. I knew that near him I always must be, and nothing can keep him from me. He is my destiny. I love him, I love him, I love him, and where he goes, I follow, I follow, I follow. He'll always be my true love, my true love, my true love. of a high endeavor that tried and tested a woman in the remote background of Asia. The story of a prince and a beggar maid and of a nun who gave up her vows. Why should we want to keep you here against your will? Because you're all jealous of me. Especially you. The clash of strong personalities. I understood you wanted to see me. We want to talk to you on business. I suppose you want to talk to me on anything else. Sorry. I don't know why you are being so rude to me, Mr. Dean. I have to talk business with you, whether I like it or not. The contrast of present peace and self-denial with the rich memories of the full years that have passed. They renounced the world of men, but found that the world was not to be denied. I gave up my vows. I finished with them up there. I see. I love you. I had to have the young general. I couldn't turn out the holy man. I couldn't stop the wind from blowing and the air from being as clear as crystal, and I couldn't hide the mountain. I told you it was no place to put a nunnery. There's something in the atmosphere that makes everything seem exaggerated. Don't you understand?
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight, first up, uh, we are talking about Black Narcissist from 1947, directed by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. The tagline for the movie, A story of exquisite yearning in a strange and beautiful land, towering over the screen as the mountains that saw it happen. And the synopsis from Letterboxd, a group of Anglican nuns, led by Sister Clauda, Claude, how is that even pronounced? Claudette? Claudette? No, it's Cloda or something like that. Let me figure this out. I, 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 just, watched this, I just watched this movie a week ago. and Cloda. Cloda? Yeah. Sister Cloda. <laughs> are sent to a mountain in the Himalayas. The climate in the region is hostile, and the nuns are housed in an odd old place. <laughs> they work to establish a school and a hospital, but slowly their focus shifts. Sister Ruth falls for a government worker, Mr. Dean, and begins to question her vow of celibacy. As Sister Ruth obsesses over Mr. Dean, Sister Claudeau becomes immersed in her own memories of love. Uh, so, Cloda. Uh, uh, so this is another great uh, synopsis from Mm -hmm. our friends at Letterboxd, whoever copy and pasted that from IMDb or whatever. It's more info than we usually get. Yeah, I guess. It's it's in the middle, I suppose. Uh, So this is a movie that I watched probably like eight, nine years ago. Uh, probably about when the when the Criterion Blu-ray first came out uh, after it got re-released, and mm-hmm. it was just like one of those like oh it's a uh, Powell Pressburger movies. Uh, it's supposed to be an all-time classic movie. Um, it's about nuns. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. And what I, I don't know. I when I watched this movie back when going into it, I was just like eh whatever. But mm-hmm. I remember watching it and being like that movie's really good. I like that movie. Um, and like, there's like kind of like the handful of like really iconic scenes that kind of stick with you. Um, and that's mm-hmm. all I kind of remembered uh, on rewatch with this. Um, I think actually the, even the Blu-ray of this, I bought for like, it was like 27 bucks or something like that at Future Shop back when Future nice. Shop existed and when we had stores that sold stuff for on sale for Criterions once in a while. Uh, but now we have the internet for that once a few, every couple months. Anyways... So, Black Narcissus, uh, this was a rewatch for me. Uh, this movie is based on a novel, RJ. Were you aware of that? Don't make stuff up just uh, to have filler in the show. Written by a lady named uh, Rummer Godden, uh, Margaret Rummer Godden. And uh, I actually found it really interesting reading about her because she was uh, kind of like this main character here, played by uh, Dana Kerr. She's mm-hmm. uh, English, and then she wound up in uh, colonial India, uh, which is, I guess, now Bangladesh. And she was raised there, mm-hmm. went to a uh, girl, went to house or girl school, and uh, she went back to Calcutta in 1925 and opened a dance school for English and Indian children. And she ran the school for 20 years with the help of her sister. And mm. like, so it was like, oh man, that's like really interesting that this movie is like, it's not just someone making up shit about like, yeah, this is the way the land is over there, and that's it. Like, no, this is actually grounded in like an experience I guess of the author uh, the book came out in 1939 mm-hmm. so like when I was watching this movie I kind of didn't I was thinking it was like a period piece because I guess like when I think of religion I think of like old things like I don't think of yeah. like oh this is like movie is actually set in 1947 or thereabouts um, 
I guess the first thing that you could talk about with this movie is the uh, way that it was shot, which is uh, mm-hmm. Technicolor. And uh, this movie's got some pretty ridiculous colors. And mm-hmm. the cinematography and production stuff is all pretty amazing when you realize that this movie was not shot on location. Um, mm-hmm. Like, this movie was, like, shot on, like, sound stages and with matte paintings and whatnot. And, like, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that. Like, it was, it was like, shot on, like, a location, but it was, like, in this, like, crazy garden in England that this, like, mm-hmm. former uh, Indian <clears throat> army man had, like, made for himself. So they use that as a backdrop. Um, and this movie is kind of like just, I mean, if you're going to shoot a movie that's like it's supposed to be in the Himalayas, uh, you are going to kind of explore this idea of the sublime, RJ, mm. uh, which is just like this like crazy, ridiculous backdrop of nature and this environment that is unlike uh, one where I guess like the Westerner would live, which is just like, you know, wherever. But like when you go to these like mm-hmm. extreme locales, uh, where like right where other people live, and they're just like, oh, we're used to it. This is just our backyard. This is where we live. Uh, when you're like seeing these gigantic mountains, and you're really aware of the like passage of time and our insignificance in the universe, looking upon these great sights, uh, yeah, that is the the uh, the terror of the sublime, where it's just things that make you feel mm-hmm. insignificant. So that's the backdrop of this movie, uh, and it takes this like kind of classic idea that uh, it's probably one of the most appealing things to me about stories that are like. I guess religious novels or re- religious movies, like say Silence, yeah. uh, Scorsese's movie, mm-hmm. um, where it's like you have these people uh, driven by their religion and faith going to these uh, edges of the world to kind of uh, pontificate their worldview and to help the people around them uh, mm-hmm. to, to save them through the word of God, le- leading through their good example and uh, how misguided that might be uh, depending on your viewpoint uh anyway this i i think this movie's terrific i like this movie quite mm-hmm. quite, quite a bit um yeah like it really feels like and i mean there's a point where it struck me is this is like a werner herzog movie just like yeah. about 40 years or 30 years earlier uh but it's like a british studio movie so it's fairly mm-hmm. safe it's fair like because like werner herzog would have he would have made this movie but he would have brought his entire crew to the himalayan mountains and shot it that way yeah it's and so it would feel completely differently but like just the thematics like the like it's it feels like especially when you compare it to like the other like uh powell and pressburger movies that we've watched and the other one we watched mm-hmm. this movie is like pretty uh out there, I guess, compared to their other output, like red mm-hmm. shoes and stuff like that. But there's still like uh, this sense of like internal character, like an internal mechanism, internal mechanisms. conflict. Yeah, like just the things that are driving these characters, um, where it's like mm-hmm. they, they're having these like f- these these fever dreams and stuff like that, um, and like just like where things start breaking down, like between Peeping Tom or uh, Red Shoes, yeah. where like things are like, whoa, that's like pretty strange. And look, like, I don't know. I've kind of babbled on a lot. I've got more to say probably once you've uh, talked about the movie. Uh, what did you think of Black Narcissus, RJ? So I realize now that I made a pretty bad mistake. Uh, I didn't really realize that this was a nun movie. And if I had... I would have watched Sister Act this week to <laughs> to pair well with this. Uh, I talk about Sister Act all the time, and I feel like I really blew it. So I don't know if we're ever going to have another nun movie on the Criterion Creeps. Mm, you never know. We might. Um, all right. So I think the uh, Black Narcissus 
is very obviously a beautiful looking movie. Uh, I think it is shot pretty spectacularly uh, with all the sets and all the magnificent colors and uh, just the design of everything and all these wonderful painted stuff. Uh, hey, did you know that this won Best Cinematography? I would not be surprised. It did? Uh, so I think this movie is quite pretty. Uh, I like, I think they do a good job with all these inner conflicts, as you mentioned, uh, with these characters who I think people, I think it's an untapped resource. Or maybe not. I don't know that much about nun movies, but I feel like there's a lot of potential there for people who actually like the people who do become nuns, they probably got a lot going on. Like there's probably a lot of stuff where it's like, I regret a lot of what I did or it's like, I wish I could have done that. It's it's like, there's this old life that I wish I had, you know, it's probably pretty hard. It'd, it'd be hard to be a nun. Well, and then, so one thing uh, maybe I'll mention now is I guess when this was released in America, uh, a lot of the like Deanna Kerr backstory stuff was edited out. Deborah. Yeah, Deborah. Uh, it was yep. just removed from the movie, mm. which is like, wow. Like, talk about gutting the story. Like, it's like one of yeah. the, that's like a big chunk of the sto- movie storytelling. Whether or not, maybe, well, like, I don't know. It's just like, uh, it, it's reminded me of uh, with Quaidon, where they, they chopped mm-hmm. out the, like, arguably the best story. Yeah. Well, it, it serves as, like, a, a support beam for the movie as a whole because, like, you see her backstory, but the, the movie is, like, all of these nuns have these things that they, like, they're, like, yearning for, kind of, and it's, like, it's that jealousy between them and, like, trying playing off of each other. So I think getting one of those characters' backstories, the main character mm-hmm. – it, it allows you to, like, maybe visualize that a little easier where it's like, yeah, they all probably have stuff going on. So, so the reason, though, it was edited out is because the, like, Catholic Decency League, Legion, oh, whatever the fuck, the, the, those, yeah. those joyless fuckos, uh, they were just like, they, they didn't like this idea of, like, humanizing a nun, a yeah. nun <laughs> which is like, yeah, I get it, it. it's like, I mean, that's uh, back in the day when they're like, oh, before whatever, what, what, what is it called, RJ? The second wave, that old John Pope two. Second wave? Are you talking about like new wave music in the 80s? Yeah. Well, when uh, Pope John Paul? Yeah. He, 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 brought, he brought in new wave music and uh, yeah. then he opened up things a little bit relatively. Well, him, him and Morrissey did a lot of things that they don't get credit for. Right. But uh, yeah, around there. So I know I get that now. Yeah. Um, so I was talking a little bit, but I didn't say uh, I do like this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's pretty good. I think it's like I can understand why it's probably a lot of people's like favorite movie and or maybe not favorite, but yeah. influenced a lot of people. Like uh, I think I the one I always heard is like, oh, Martin Scorsese loves this movie. He, he loves every, he loves all their movies because yeah, because he loves Red Shoes. As, as his top one but yeah he yeah. loves he loves all their movies yeah so like watching this i was like i see why like scorsese loves this and it's like i can see like the influence and stuff there so i think this movie is really good um i didn't love it uh not for any reason it's just like i think everything fits really good it looks great i think uh the dialogue and the like just the story itself is good um or is it like it's great the characters are great i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of really fun characters so i think this movie is like it's great but uh i don't know it didn't really like evoke any uh emotional response in me where i was like oh man it's like wow 
like where which which like movies don't have to do that either but mm-hmm. when i was when i, I was thinking back because when like you brought up the red shoes that was a movie like i had no idea what it was and i watched it and i was like man this is a good show i was like i really like this movie and then there's like other movies where like doing this show you watch it and it's just like holy shit it's like this is like a great movie like um I don't have this like super high on my list, but like the one I'm thinking of is like Autumn Sonata, mm. where I was like, man, that really like that really like stirred stuff up inside of me. It's like what a personal like emotional movie, and so like it doesn't movies don't have to be like that either. Like no. I was just talking about how much I like fucking Sister Act. Like that doesn't make me like feel different on the inside either. Right. But um, but I don't know. Is it, it just kind of? I was like, this is a great movie. It's just but. I don't have a huge investment in it. I was like, I might watch this again down the line in many years. But uh, my initial response was like, I like it. I think it's a very well done movie. Mm. Um, I just don't love it or anything. And like, I have a few individual things too, but that's my general, right? My general opinion. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I never, I don't know. I'm trying to think, cause this movie kind of fits into like my uh, love of like failed colonial adventure. <laughs> cause there's oh, like, yeah. what, like, cause I don't know if I've lent you like the man who would be King. Have you watched yep. that? Okay. Yep. Like, that's like, I love that movie. Like, I think that movie is awesome. Um, and like, yeah, like the, the Werner Herzog stuff, uh, even like to a lesser degree, something like treasure of Sierra Madre. Um, like I, yep. I love those types of movies of just like people going to places maybe they shouldn't and like dealing with the the villagers or the the the, yeah. the, the, the inhabitants uh, and those things usually end badly uh, mm-hmm. in one way or another and this movie has all those things going for it but it's like uh, it's the odd out because it's about like. Uh, a women a woman's experience of this because mm-hmm. usually it's all men like you always get the story of like the men going out onto the fringes or out, out to those edges and their story because realistically they were like the ones going out so this is kind of a different thing where it's like the men have already failed and which is like that's yeah. a really that's a really cool idea like the monks tried to do it and they fought, they, they 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 botched it they just they don't know what, yeah. what happened and now it's like well now uh, it, but it doesn't drive that home. It's not like this is like the the Ghostbusters remake version of like that, right? It's like no, no this is this is a story yeah. about these nuns who are going to set up like in like their the hubris of like oh because was it Saint Faith is going to be the name yeah. of the school, which is like amazing. It's like how ballsy is that? It's like this is Saint Faith. This is what this movie is yeah. about, and we're going to set it up in the land that like christ forgot and like mm-hmm. it's gonna be up in this fucking mountaintop and we're going to save all these like fucking poor savages that don't know any better like uh-huh. that is the attitude and that's like what the attitude was this movie like came out right at the when like uh britain was leaving india yeah <laughs> like they were handing it back and it's like oh this movie came out like right around the same like it was in production before that happened but like mm-hmm. th- that's how this movie ends too is with like in defeat um and like, which is like in itself, like this beautiful shot of her looking back as like the clouds kind of take back over this like building that is like unreproachable un- re- without reproach. I don't know. I'm blathering. Mm. Um, anyway, so this movie, I think like, it just like, it ticks all my boxes. Like again, like, I don't know if I'd say like, I love this movie. This is like one of my top 100 mm-hmm. movies of all time, but I think it's all like, I think it's a f- fantastic movie. I, uh, I think it's, uh, one of the better uh, movies that we've watched in a little while, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's like great things about it. I mean, Mr. Dean's legs, for instance. Uh, look, look, I mean, look at those that guy's gams in that movie. They're they're amazing. His, his gams, yeah, 
Yeah, I like Mr. Dean. I like that they uh, <laughs> they chose this like heartthrob guy to like tempt the nuns. He's always like walking around with no shirt on. Oh yeah. Like whether it's intentional or not, he's just like this man. Oh, it's he's got like yeah. There's like monkeys and birds hanging around, and there's one scene I I fucking just busted out laughing because I was like, what? Where it's like Christmas, and uh, the nuns are all in like the chapel scene. And uh, that guy just busts, opens the door in a huge fur coat, walks in, and there's like a stool with like uh, the hymns like printed off, like or like written down like papers on the stool. And he walks up and he just fucking knocks it over and walks by. <laughs> and then like the uh, the general guy comes in, like picks it up and puts it back. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? I was like, why? Like why is he like this? He just comes in and fucking knocks over the stool for like no reason. Right. I, I I dug it. I think that guy's pretty fun. That's yeah. what I mean. The uh, the characters in this uh, mm-hmm. this movie are well, uh, high class. And like all the nuns too. Like they're all like yeah. they all have like their specific characters and stuff like that. And they all wind up in the same place mentally where they want to leave for yeah. je- like convincing reasons. And it's like it's kind of nice that there's like only four characters that you're really focused on, and you're watching yeah. each of their like struggles. Um, yeah. And like so yeah, so there's like Sister Honey, and then oh, I can't remember the name the the gardener one. Who's just like there's like that shot of her looking out across Aya, Aya and that shot oh, of no, her look, look or anyway, anyway someone else look, looking out across like the landscape and you're just like yeah. oh I'm just like when I'm up here something about the atmosphere and it's like almost like kind of this um like Lovecraftian sort of like air space where you're like these yeah. characters like, there's something happening they're like oh it's this place there's something about the the air and the light mm-hmm. and like you just start thinking about your own thing and the wind never mm-hmm. stops it's just like really um. I don't know. It's a it's a great little movie for those reasons that like oh it's just like good little character stuff that uh, a lot of movies don't bother doing and the movie seems to do it really effortlessly because it's such a smooth watch like yeah this movie just like wrapped up and I was like oh that's done already and like I wasn't like really taking a ton of notes but yeah uh, there's the one bit uh, that I love uh, think like looking back here too is like when there's like the um, the old man the the, the mystic. Who just sits? Oh yeah, uh, and that's that's all he does. And mm-hmm. uh, there's like when um, uh, she's complaining about this guy who's on their property. It's like all these people yep. mill around, and they're not. They mm-hmm. shouldn't be here. Someone should ask him to leave to get rid of him. He can go elsewhere. And she's just like so frustrated about this. And then like Mr. Mm-hmm. D just throws out, "Oh, what would Christ have done?" And I'm just like, yep. that's like. Uh, like the response there would be to take it to the roast and toast uh, in the newspaper mm. and bitch about this rotten old bum sitting on my property that attracts other dirt bags. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what many Christians would do these days. Um, WWJD boy. Yeah. You know, but I thought that, that I thought was great. And I mean, it doesn't like yeah. pay off in this big dramatic fashion, like at all. It's mm-hmm. just this sort of backdrop thing. That's like, Oh, you're in a place where like the rules are different and you're not like, uh, you're not worshipped the way that you're used to in other parts of the world that you've uh, shown up and put up stakes in. Yeah, so that was good. Uh, I'm not, how did how did you feel about the uh, the brown face? That like it's interesting that like yeah. no one talks about the browning up in this movie the way mm-hmm. that they do when it's blackface in mm-hmm. like say Swing Time and. It's interesting. I'm sure there are people who probably also find that offensive, but like you yeah. do not hear it the same way. So I thought that it's like 
interesting because it's like I know there's like yeah. a very different there's like a different history and why I know Amer- in America why it's like a hot button issue but mm-hmm. it's like I'm watching this and there's like Gene Simon and it's like yeah they found this young girl and she plays like the Indian sex pot girl mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's like yeah and then because uh, like Sabu I mean he yeah. I mean he's legit but there's like the the his father the general I mean that guy's yeah. like like almost comical like uh, Indian face but yeah. I didn't think it was like bad. I did the only thing I that I thought too. I was like, it's a little weird that they got like real Indians and then white people yeah. dressed up like Indians. I was like, they had one. They could have probably got two more if they wanted to, right. but maybe, maybe they're just like, no, we got one real one. We we we're gonna get a pass on this. Well, they got because like they actually I was reading they actually a lot of like the that community lives like in this one like. I don't know. It's one community. That's where they live. And it's like, oh, wow, we'll just cast them and they can be extras kind of thing to add that authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then I guess like the other big story arc to talk about would be like the Sister Ruth story. Yeah. Which is like, uh, like it's fascinating. It's an interesting thing because it's like she's obviously mentally ill, right? Yeah. Like, and, but it's like, why is she being sent off? Like, because. Maybe in 1947, there's like, oh, maybe like a change of vocation and area yeah. will like cure her and she'll be better off. But it's like, mm-hmm. she seemed like pretty poor off like as soon as she showed up and it yeah. just like gets worse and worse. Um, and because she was like already like a bad seed, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. it just like her, her like this extreme level, like, cause actually one of the, uh, uh, horror books I've got uh, on just like on the history of like uh, hysteria and like movies of women in horror. Like it's called the uh, House of Psychotic Women. This movie, mm-hmm. this movie's mentioned about it because there's sometimes people who refer to this as like having like a horror element, which is like definitely maybe in the last yeah. act. There's like there's like a th- it turns kind of almost thriller. Like a thriller. I've seen some people because of the way like yeah. like it it feels more like a Mario Bava movie in a lot of ways. I think that's just like the color sure. because of like yeah. the, the whole staging of it and her like moving yeah. through the space. There's like the one shot of her like at the doorway with her hair wet and she like mm-hmm. looks, she looks like some something out of like the, a, the close up in the eyes yeah, yeah well there's like yeah when, when um Cloda opens up the door and uh yeah. and like and this is Ruth and it's like her all dressed up like as a regular person it's like a shock because this yeah. whole movie you've seen nuns and they're like totally in their habits and mm-hmm. uh they like you, you you've kind of just oh they're all nuns and then you see her and you're like hit with like oh fuck like that's right she's still a woman like she's still like yeah but it's like oh and she's like awoken to this like her sens- sensuality is a word i've seen mm-hmm. thrown around describing this movie and her putting on her lipstick and stuff like that and yeah. her hair done and her like this dress that she got mm-hmm. and you're like wow like it's such a i don't know it's a crazy it's a really crazily well done beat for this yeah. movie and i'm like oh that like is super effective yeah you're just like wow where did she get all this makeup and hair like well, cur- curling iron <laughs> It no, did. it, it yeah. is effective, but I, I, I did think that. I was like, where'd she get all this shit? I guess maybe the uh, young Indian lady who well, is always done up, probably mm. from her. Well, there's like, yeah, obviously there's still ways to beautify yourself. But, I mean, she also had that package of, like with her dress in it, and it's potentially yeah. that she's been gathering other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, there's another thing that I made a note of is that I think this is the first time I've ever been made aware of nun footwear because there's like the, oh, the yeah. there's like the struggle at the end at the bell uh mm-hmm. and like you see their their the shoes they wear under yep. their habits and I'm like oh look at those practical shoes they're not just like barefoot or wearing like yeah. slippers they're actually Flip-flops. wearing like real like 
really well constructed 1947 era shoes that like yeah that's what people would wear and it's like that's that's a nice touch i've never thought about what a nun wears and why not man the uh catholic church and christian religions they look after their own that's right nice practical shoes right yeah Um, so anyway yeah it's uh they got some cool stuff in here uh i like the perfume daddy i think that was pretty cool um, I like that scene when girlfriend was just turning water into wine or something. Oh, adding she held like up water. Adding, yeah. Adding the, like the berry mix kind of like yeah. Kool-Aid stuff. I, I was like, Oh shit. I was like, what are they saying? Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's like I saying, I think it's, I think it's a good movie. Like, I think it's a really good show. It's just, uh, I was like, yeah, I like it. I might watch it again one day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Didn't change my life, man. Well, most movies don't do that. Most movies don't. You can't, no. can't hold it accountable for that. Well, sister act. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, look at the mileage yeah. you've gotten out of that material. Yeah, see, I've been doing that since like day one. Yeah. See how far it's gotten us? I'm yeah. not going to be making black narcissist jokes in another no, that's true. 100 years. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I think that's it for Black Narcissus. Uh, we'll take a very quick break, and then we're going to talk about I Know Where I'm Going from 1945. You didn't uh, shout the last part of that. There's an exclamation point there. There, I know. I know where I'm going. Don't you want to come to? I got my reservations, and I got one for you. Friends are leaving just after dark There's always room for a loving heart I know where I'm going Don't you want to come too? I know my destination It's all waiting for me I got no hesitation That's what I want to be Sun comes up. I'll be drinking from a loving cup. I know where I'm going. Don't you wanna come too? I'm going, and I know who's going with me. I know who I love, but the dear knows who I'm marrying. Stockings of silk, shoes of fine green leather, combs to buckle my hair, and a ring for every finger. Some say he's black, but I say he's bonny, the fairest of them all, my handsome, winsome Johnny. For the second film, we are talking about I Know Where I'm Going, exclamation mark, go. <laughs> from 1945. Uh, Pal and Pressburger directing again. Uh, mm-hmm. Synopsis from Letterboxd. 
plucky English woman, Joan Webster, travels to the remote islands of the Scottish hybrids in order to marry a wealthy industrialist. Trapped by inclement weather on the Isle of Mall and unable to continue to her destination, Joan finds herself charmed by the straightforward, no-nonsense islanders around her and becomes increasingly attracted to naval officer Torquil McNeil, who holds a secret that may change her life forever. So, hmm. uh, I had never watched this movie before. Um, this is uh, probably though one of my favorite movie titles. Uh, yeah. That for a movie I've never seen because it's just like I love it's. It's got this big exclamation mark on it. It's very commanding, uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of speaks to the like lyrical pretension of the Criterion Collection. <laughs> that it's like, yeah. yeah. Of course, I know where I'm going is in the Criterion Collection. Of course, it is. Um, so this movie's yep. got a uh, recent Criterion gal, Wendy Hiller, uh, of Pygmalion fame. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah she, I was happy to see so her. So she shows up here. Um, so I didn't really know much about this movie at all. I didn't even bother reading a synopsis. I was just kind of like, wash over me, movie. Tell me what you're about. And we're supposed to believe that Wendy Hiller is like 25 years old. <laughs> and <laughs> even like, she's only like uh-huh. 33 here. I thought that was like, mm, she looks way older than 33. Like she, she has an old face. There's like, okay. So not to be like beauty shaming, but like people age differently now than they used to. Like if you look at yeah. what like a fucking 30 year old looks like now compared to like what like a 30 year old like hockey player looks like back like 50, 60 years ago. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Like people can look like real bags of shit and like they're totally healthy, but man, life was harder uh, in, mm-hmm. in the early 20th century. So sorry, Wendy. Um, so that put me off the movie kind of real quick. Cause I was like, really? I'm like, she's supposed to be 25 and this vibrant young woman. She doesn't look mm-hmm. that way at all. Uh, Cause like, plus like she's older here than she was in uh, Pygmalion. Pygmalion. Cause Pygmalion's like yeah. seven years earlier than that. So she was like 26 there. And so she yeah. was closer to that age there. And even then, like, She's like not this like this like Audrey Hepburn looking young woman, I guess. I don't She's know. not forever young. Yeah. So anyway, uh, and then pretty well, my note here is this certainly has that summertime vibe. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it do- it does a little bit, a so, little bit. Yeah. So I didn't like this movie at all. Um, yeah. This movie is pretty well one gear and one gear only it just kind of i don't know so this is a story this joan webster she's a woman Uh that's always known since she was a little girl she knows what she wants in fact (laughs) she always knows where she's going there's a Uh there's there's a theme song that's like oh i know (laughs) where i'm going which is like cool i expected that because i'm like oh Mm -hmm. it's it's the title it's the title of the song it's like a it's very 30s 40s kind of idea this woman she's like i know what i want um the first time like you see her interacting at the age of 25 she's telling this like guy that you're like oh is this her like her like sugar daddy oh no it's her dad that she just calls darling and she's like i'm gonna get married i'm gonna get married to this rich industrialist and i'm gonna live on this island and everything's gonna be great uh and he's like oh i I don't know about all that but she's on her way and she takes a train and there's a montage of her traveling through like miniatures of tartans and uh Mm -hmm. whatnot and then she gets to this town and then everything kind of stalls out there because she's has to get to this island where the rich industrialist lives and it's like rom-com stuff like yeah this like if this movie was like 
from 2010, I would probably have found it just way more watchable. But you, there, you know what's funny? What? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Me, uh, Andrea watched some of this with me, and she said the exact same thing. Yeah. She's like, they should remake this with like Anne Hathaway. Yeah, pretty much. And like, I was like, I was like, yeah, it'd probably be good if Anne Hathaway was in it and it was made now. Uh, yep. Uh, there's this like so. Anyway, I don't know about why this movie just totally fails for me mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because like these dudes know how to make movies but there's just something about this movie that like i don't know if it's like the 1945s niche of it and like yeah. this movie just is like oh there's this like i don't know nothing going on it it feels dated to me Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is, I guess, like, they wanted to shoot this with Technicolor, um, but they're were, they were actually waiting to make another movie that they were going to shoot in color, and they were mm. waiting for the equipment, and they made this movie instead, like, in between. Yeah. So it's like a toss-off. They like they spent, like, a week writing it, and they were like, this is apparently, like, a moment of praise. It was like, it came out so effortlessly, this movie that just, like, came out so complete. Uh, yeah. There's a quote of Martin Scorsese saying, like, uh, <laughs> he th- like he thought he had given up on ever finding another masterpiece and then he watched this movie <laughs> come and on martin I, I know i know come on marty yeah the old goof uh so uh let's see here Da-da-da. i have a note here i think it's just about oh yeah so this is the actual thing about the the technicolor thing next they were due to tackle a big film about the rocky state of anglo-american relations which would eventually become a matter of life and death but in late 1944 there was no technicolor stock available what could be made quickly and in black and white Powell asked Pressburger the answer was something about a girl who can't reach an island and by the time she can she no longer wants to go why can't she go demanded Powell let's make the film and find out was Pressburger's (laughs) response so oh what a bunch of nerds that's the movie that I mean this is like you know after the fact like mythologizing your shit. Uh, So yeah, my note here honestly was file this under who gives a shit. (laughs) Um, I just like could not get into this movie at all. Um, Yeah, I don't know. What what did you think, RJ? (laughs) Well, there's two really cool things that you forgot to mention. Okay. All those gigantic fucking dogs. Oh, when the, that lady the, comes in those, with like nineteen yeah. of those huge—they're the f- like what are those dogs called? They're like, like Scottish setter pointers or setter Irish setter. Or I, some. Like, I, I like those dogs. They're huge, which was pretty cool. And then uh, I liked uh, this is becoming a recurring thing. Uh, the Criterion cows made a another appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, those really hairy bastards. Um, so Andrea had watched some of this with me because I was like, I like these guys' movies. They're pretty cool. And I was like, this sounds like an Andy pick. Mm, yeah. And uh, and she was like, she's like, what's it about? And I was like, well, there's this lady who's going to get married, but she gets stranded on an island, and then she learns that she likes the people on the island more. And she's like, yeah, that does sound good. And then we turn it on, and uh, it's got, like, some fun credits. They're, like, interactive with the uh, the scenery. Like, they're 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 fun mm-hmm. and then uh we're introduced uh there i think the intro has some nice narration even though i don't like what they're saying it's like here's a young girl she knows where she's going <laughs> it's like is she going to the bus no no she's going to the carriage yeah she knows where she's going yeah and i was like i was like all right well i was like i kind of like what they're doing even though i don't like that they keep going she knows where she's going. It's like, is she getting on? Is she going to business school? No, she's getting on this train. She's going to go get married. She knows where she's going. And then it was about at that point where, uh, like, Andrea was just totally checked out. She was on her cell phone. And that's only, like, 
<laughs> eight, eight <laughs> not minutes into the even. Movie. Not even, like maybe five minutes yeah. in. And I was like, oh, I was like, I guess I got to watch this fucking thing. <laughs> and uh, it's, I know what you mean by summertime vibes, but summertime is a good show. Uh, I would definitely watch summertime, summertime looks again. good. Yeah, summertime looks good, and it's a good movie, and uh, it's got that beef steak, and uh, it's it's super good. Um, it's not super good, but I like summertime. Uh, this movie is pretty boring. It's yeah. pretty bland, and uh, I think one of the main reasons is uh, the chemistry between these two people that you're supposed to believe fall in love with each yes. other is not there because yeah. one. They don't interact very well together because this lady's just like, I'm going to go get married to this fucking guy I've like never met or whatever the fucking plot is. And then there's this other guy who's like, okay. He's like, all right. Like he never even cares. He's like, you do whatever you want, lady. Mm-hmm. And they're like, let's go see this castle. And he's like, okay. He's like, want to have lunch together? She's like, yeah, but let's sit at different tables because we're not like dating. And he's like, sure, fine. And then they go to this dance and then, like, out of nowhere, they're, like, super close to each other. And he's basically, like, right in her face. And it's just, like, where did this come from? It's, like, mm. it doesn't seem like these two people, like, have built that relationship right. at all. Like, it's just, that's that's the problem with this, for this movie, for me, at least, is that it's, like, I don't, be, I don't buy that these two people just fell in love with each other because of the three days they spent together. Right. You need a montage of them doing like fun shit of like Anne Hathaway and Paul Rudd, like running through the rain and like eating donuts and just like having fun with each other. You don't get any of that in here. And like, I think that's where it really falls because it's like, why, like you said, why would you care? Like who gives a shit? And then at the end it's like, you know, it's like, well, we'll kiss and go our separate ways, but it doesn't have any weight to it because at the, because you don't care you're like well i don't really it's like i don't feel you don't feel bad for her because it's just like you're annoying you're like i know what i'm doing i know where i'm going and you're like okay whatever and you don't you don't feel bad for him either he's like i own this island but i'm kind of poor because i have to i have to like rent it out to the evil rich baron because he's rich and he's really taking advantage of me and the and the poor old town folk and i'm like yeah that could work but this movie doesn't like it, does, it just doesn't seem really all that well made or written yeah. to like convince the viewer of these things of these stakes to be like oh I'm really like I really like these people and they're, they're really being screwed and maybe I because like I expect like a certain amount of like um, what would you call it um, oh, set up like, just set up like just give me some yeah. setup, please well, no, see, that's the thing. Like, I think what we're both saying here and the reason we both thought like a current day remake would be better is because it's like all the ideas are there. Yeah. They just don't actually see any of them through or they don't like explore them enough. And it's not like these guys can't do that. Like we've clearly seen that they can with like Black Narcissist and uh, mm. the Red Shoes. It's like yeah. these guys clearly know how to make good movies and yes. like get, dig into story and plot and all that shit. So... It, that I think that's what's that's what's disappointing most, Jarrett, is that uh, I've come to expect uh, these yeah. guys to be pumping out some all-time bangers, and then uh, this one is just like, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. What? Because I'm with you, like I didn't I didn't really like it much either, but like it's just because it's like, well, I know these guys can make good movies, and the ideas are there, they just don't like. They don't like yeah. hit any of them. So wh- I wonder why this movie is so critically acclaimed to a certain degree. It seems like people are really high on this movie, and I'm just like, huh? 
I don't understand at all. There's like nothing here. Like the copy it's fake fans. Yeah, I mean the copy I was watching was just like a like DVD quality, so maybe it's like not the most restored or anything like that. So, yeah. but at the same time, it's just like uh, I don't think that's this movie's biggest problem is the way that it looks because it didn't look super spectacular. I guess it was like shot on locations and stuff like that, which are like yeah, that's good to see. But at the same time, I'm like oh, I wish I had characters that I was rooting for one way or another rather than just like hey, we're told that these people are like going to fall in love. I'm like I don't feel that it was earned. And even by the end of the movie, you have this like there's like a curse right and yeah uh, so we have old mcneil who's like this land this like castle that he's not allowed to go into because if he walks into he'll be cursed by it and the curse <laughs> uh-huh. is that like oh because one of his ancestors like caught like his lover with another man and he like drowned mm-hmm. them he like fucking murdered these people and the curse is that his descendants will like uh-huh. be like they too will be like handcuffed to a woman and like trapped with them for the rest of their life but it's like oh it turns out to be a great thing because now they're gonna spend the rest of their lives together happily huh uh-huh. it's like what the fuck it's like uh, it's bizarre it, i don't know I it guess, is bizarre it's a nice soft little movie i guess for uh because uh, uh britain was still in world war Two and kind of coming out of it at this point so this movie i, I guess. guess was like pleasant for that but at the same time uh, i've seen better movies from the same era that were like was way yeah. better, way better done, and like didn't have to be so. I don't know. I don't know. It's just not that good. Not a good movie. No, it's it's not that good, and it's uh, a major bummer, dude. Yeah. So yeah, and it's it's there's not even that much to talk about. It's no. like it's like well, I guess that's it. When that's the show. When you're bummed out, you're bummed out. Hey, let's yeah. read let's read some hate though. Who okay. hate, who hates black narcissists? Um, so. Paul gave this movie one star. Powell and Pressburger's incredible stylistic energy feels wasted here. The fact that this is set in the Himalayas adds absolutely nothing to the narrative, but ethnocentric oriental exoticism. The indigenous Mm -hmm. characters are framed as either childlike or non-human extensions of environment. Why not just set this in rural Ireland or something? Um, like, I don't know. Well, that's like, you wouldn't get those huge dogs then. Oh no, that's in black narcissist, my friend. Oh, well, what the fuck are we even talking about? Black nurse? Yeah. So, well, yeah, no, I don't totally. Okay. Yeah, that's a bad statement because uh, <laughs> the sets and all the those things, don't, that's what's super cool about it. Yeah, I, I, that, that is a really weird comment other than it's about uh, how woke this guy is. So, yeah. Uh, Anna Imhoff uh, gave this one and a half star and writes, knock, knock. Who's there? A masterpiece. Where? Right here. Where? No. Here? Oh. Where? Here? Okay, whatever. So, great. <laughs> uh, All right. I don't know. Well, yeah. at least they changed the formula to leaving reviews. Yeah. Where? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh-huh. uh, and then so, so here's some some hate going uh, the way of I know where I'm going. Uh, yeah. Jason Barry gave this one and a half stars. As is expected, the art direction is superb. But the slow, meandering story and performances barely held my attention. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't even remember anything about the art direction, so I don't even I can't even give it that. Uh, ben Rendich gave this two stars. Oh, if it were but a little less predictable or a little more creative, not with visuals, as it is quite playful at times, but with its elaborations of character. I know where I'm going touches on real wisdom, but also plays the old game of woman meets world with a personal distance that leaves it looking feeble beside the constant nymph, Rebecca, the ghost in Mrs. Mirror, or Roman Holiday. 
Or, I wonder what the or let me add summertime. <laughs> I wonder what the real wisdom is here. Like I that know. it's okay to it sucks that you own your own island if you can't live there and you have to sell it out. Yeah. Like I don't. Hey, summertime's good. Stop ragging on summertime. <laughs> that's my. Uh, that's the one I pick on. It's just like it's, yeah, it's just because I pick on Fellini all the time, yeah. and you get you get mad about it because he's your buddy, my best Cause, bud. Because you guys hang out on weekends, you call him at home or whatever. Oh, uh, you want want to hear a uh, couple of who loves? I know where I'm going. Oof, I don't know if I. Well, you will, so Rain, it doesn't matter. Rain Barrington, five stars. A well acted love story with a brilliant screenplay. Patrick Delmore, five stars. What an absolutely incredible movie this is. I only ended up seeing it because it's in David Thompson's Have You Seen? I've been watching a lot of films from the book since October 19th. The best before this was Gilda. I'm really coming to believe that the 1940s was the best decade for film. I also think I'm doing myself a massive disservice by not watching more films by The Archers. Michael Powell Mm -hmm. and Emmerich Pressburger. I love their movies Peeping Tom, which is only made by one of them, but for whatever reason didn't come back to them until now. I Know Where I'm Going is the story of a woman journeying to Scotland at the end of the Second World War to meet her husband uh we all know this blah 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 the tone of the film was great fun before and this is where i was really pulled in i am a huge fan of susan cooper's book which makes celtic legend in modern day life together this film mm-hmm. delivers that amazingly incredible stories music and black and white scenery it made me immediately order my own copy of the film so i can share it with friends no i don't think you need to <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do that oh uh, yeah no, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and one more here. Five stars. Jim Donahue. Uh, Livesley and Hiller have chemistry for days. My God, that look he gives her while quoting a line from a folk song. You're the maid for me. The music is delightful and it's beautifully shot. It's kind of perfect. No. No, there's no look. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's nothing like there's, there's no hey, chemistry. To be fair, uh, we might have both missed that look while we were looking at our uh, phones. <laughs> Or laptops. Uh, I only briefly drifted away, so I I tried my best, man. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Black narcissist. Yes, I know where I'm going. No. Mm. Yeah. I endorse that statement. Yep. Um. After the break, RJ and I are going to be handcuffed together and drowned, but we'll be together forever, buddy. The bottom of the lake. I feel like even before we watched this, that was what your plan was that, all along. That, yep. It's just like, hey, yeah. you, should, you should put this handcuff on RJ for no particular reason. Hey, can you meet me down by the creek? I got to show you something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> À l'époque où Jean sans terre d'Angleterre était le roi, Dominique, notre père, combattit les albigeois. Dominique, nique, nique, s'en allait tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant, en tout chemin, en tout lieu. Got any hot plans for tonight, RJ? Uh, I was gonna go push a nun off a cliff. Oh. I actually, I'm making BLTs. Yeah. So it's almost the same thing. Are, are you making them for like tea immediately or for the next day? No, I'm going to eat it immediately. I'm okay. not some fucking animal. No, I make my food when I want it. Yeah. Nothing worse than like overnight 
fridge sandwiches, man. Those are disgusting. Yeah, you can't do that. You you take the time, wake up 10 minutes early. I say that like I do that, but I us- I'm usually up like five minutes before I have to leave the house. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us about your sandwich-making techniques and killing nuns. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. Hey, we've got a Patreon, too. You can check us out there. Uh, we're on Letterboxd, and I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf there. You can check out all the movies that I watch and some of the movies that RJ watches. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Google Play, all that jazz. And hey, if you haven't already, leave us a review, maybe. That would be kind of cool. Uh, or send us an email. That would be also cool. Hey, yeah, RJ, next week, it's another double header. Shut up. Spines 95 and 96. We're going into the world of director Douglas Sirk and women's pictures. Uh, we got All That Heaven Allows from 1955 and mm. Written on the Wind from 1956. Are these things that I like? Uh, I don't know. If we're going to find out. I my, my understanding is these movies look nice. They look very nice. You might even want to watch that Far From Heaven movie of Julianne Moore that Todd Haynes made because it's like a throwback to these movies. What is that? What is Todd Haynes? Who is he? He's a director of films. What did he ever do? Uh, Safe, a future Criterion movie. And and Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story, a a movie he made with Barbie dolls. Uh, I don't know any of this shit. Velvet Goldmine, uh, that Bob Dylan movie with Kate Blanchett. I'm not there? Yeah. I've seen that movie. There you go. You've seen a Todd Haynes movie. All right. And he directed that Carol movie as well that came out a couple years ago. Oh, that one that got all the uh, oh. the uh, the buzz for the sex. That's right. Nice. Uh, that's so. Yeah, that has nothing to do with Douglas Sirk directly, but he he made that movie Far From Heaven, which is like a reference to these two movies. We'll talk about that next week because I'll probably wind up watching Far From mm-hmm. Heaven. Anyways, that's it for this week. Uh, you take care now. You hear? Don't tell them what to do.